It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your central viewing area for all things pro football, college football, and NFL draft. Joined by Nick Durst and Brian Sosa, I am Michael Rockman. We got a jam-packed episode today with news of coach hirings, some speculation on what will happen in the future for these teams, talk of the past college football championship, and talk of the playoffs. We got a full slate today. Brian, Nick, how are you guys doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Getting ready for the weekend here. So always look forward to that. Brian, I'm, I'm sure you're uh, a little excited at this point. Uh, more excited now than I have been about my football team in at least two years, most definitely. No doubt about it. So Brian's team, of course, hires somebody. But first, we'll start with what happened on Monday night, which is the National Football Championship for college football. And Alabama destroys Ohio State. Michael, I don't understand. How is Mac Jones not the player of the game? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think Mac definitely deserved it based on his outing. But you can't deny the dominance that is the Alabama receiving court, even in what, like his six total snaps, Jalen Waddle was able to make some great plays. Now, I mean, obviously he's got to heal up. Probably shouldn't have been playing at all in the first place, but it's just crazy to see that these guys are, you know, playing at Waddle probably like 15% health and still dominating, and then Devonta Smith until like the middle of the third is able to put up some guys' season stats. So absolutely dominant performance. This is just one of the better offenses we've seen in college football. And, you know, Mac Jones is right in the ship. And I think there's criticism that has come his way because of how good this offense is, but it wouldn't have happened without Mac Jones there to, to write it. So definitely so a, Mac, a star QB. Mac Jones is going pro. Where do you see him being drafted here? Is he a day three guy? Does he project to be like a Greg McElroy type in the pros, just like a second string or a third string guy? And what do you what do you see happening here for Mac Jones at the pro level? The latest I see him going is definitely round two. I think 
that's somewhere where, you know, if things are kind of cooling down in terms of his great national championship play, I think we could see him in that round two range. I'm not saying he's the same type of player, but it'd be a similar type of draft stock as a, you know, Drew Locke, Mason Rudolph, Derek Carr type, where there's speculation they may be a first round pick, then things kind of, you know, fall off as we've kind of drifted further from the college season and more just straight into analyzing how they are as a prospect. But there is also talk that he could be a first rounder. And with how many teams are kind of in the situation where they need a QB and they have a veteran there right now, but they need someone to eventually step in, any team that loves you is going to be willing to spend that pick. So, you know, looking at teams like the Steelers and the Saints could very easily swoop in late first, pick this guy, and no one's going to say, oh, that's a horrible pick. They're just going to say, well, if the Saints like him or if the Steelers like him, then we'll see what happens, and that could be a great pick for what is a late first value. So they're going to go the, the Green Bay Packers route, which is take a quarterback in the first round who will not play. Uh, although the Saints, you know, I think if Breeze wins the Super Bowl, he's probably going to retire. So that's to be seen. Roethlisberger, I think, will be back. Uh, right now, it seems like Rivers undecided if he's coming back, but Colts want him back. So I think that gets done. Brian, anything to add here on the national championship game? No, I agreed with your original statement. You know, there's no disrespect to Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, everyone else that they have who's an All-American. But Mac Jones was the player of the game, no doubt about it. Um, and uh, it was just a complete wash, you know. I mean, I know that uh, people get a little bit annoyed about the game going so long and then it's never really – it wasn't really – interesting or whatever but college college football is really just about these like dynastic sort of amazing teams Nick Saban was making history in the process uh didn't get to say it on last week's show told you guys after that um Nick Saban hadn't gone uh three years at Alabama without uh winning a national championship that means every single recruit who he visited in their living room and said if you come to Alabama you're going to win a national championship he delivered on that to every single person that he recruited uh, since the time he's been at Alabama, which is absolutely amazing. So a nice way to cap off the season. And the last thought is, I guess Notre Dame's defense really played pretty well, didn't it? Yeah. Well, here's the national title game, which is way too long. Uh, I could probably say I didn't watch one second of the game. I had no interest (laughs) in it. I don't know what the ratings were, but – you know, I, I had no interest in watching that. If anything, I'd be watching like the side stream where people are watching the game or, you know, Doug Kazarian's talking betting. Uh, but to watch like at ESPN Plus, who's going to pay for that? Um, but what I heard this week was Brian Jones, who's the lead S- one of the lead SEC analysts on CBS Sports. He was on the DA show with Damon Amendolora. Uh, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday on the CBS Sports Radio Network. And he said he thinks Saban might retire now. Michael, did you hear that? I think there's any truth to that at all. And how much longer do you think Saban could continue coaching here at such a high level? See, I don't think Saban's really at risk of retiring soon. I think obviously there will come a day where Saban rides off into the sunset and going out with a championship is certainly the most ideal type of way to walk out for anyone. But I think Saban's going to stick around for a bit. You look at how much, you know, success they've continually had 
there's no way that he's not having fun with it. He still looks fine. He seems to be doing well health-wise. I think, you know, you want to go out on top, but at the same time, there's just so much talent in Alabama that I think he could stick around for a while longer and still go out as number one eventually. Well, maybe now he's going to groom Bill O'Brien to replace him. Bill O'Brien going to be the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian heading to Texas to be the head coach. He's bringing Kyle Flood along with him to be the offensive coordinator. Brian, I know you hate O'Brien. So what do you think about this move for him? Are you surprised he's not taking a year off or that he's not looking for a head coaching job at a college or that he is not looking for an offensive coordinator job at the pros? Surprise no. he's going to Alabama. I think this is a great move for Bill O'Brien, and I don't mean hate him. Like, I don't actually hate the man, but I do think he's not that great of a head coach, and he's definitely an awful GM. But uh, this is a great move for him because it's a springboard to being the head coach at a probably Power 5 school at some point in the near future within a couple of years. I mean, that's really the recipe. Guys, uh, Saban, I think, has won these uh, uh, six national championships at Alabama with – uh, maybe three or four different coordinators, and they've all gone on to be head coaches elsewhere, whether it was Kiffin or Sarkeesian, and it's going to end up being the same with Bill O'Brien also. He needs to sort of rehabilitate his uh, coaching image. I mean, he has a a reputation as being a good play caller. He's going to have a great recruiting class and talent every single year, and they're going to be in the hunt for it every single year if he wants to be a head coach elsewhere within a couple of years. This is a great step to take, and he'll probably get a national championship out of it. We'll see. Rick, he says, DA is a traitor, permission to board the mothership. We don't talk about him around these parts. It'd be interesting to hear why, wherever parts you are, we don't talk about DA and why he's a traitor. <laughs> uh, Rick wants to know if we talked about Sal- Sally yet, Shanahan and Donald. Not yet. We'll get to that. But let's talk about first, you know, we're talking about Saban, who many would say is probably the best college coach of all time. But others might say it's Urban Meyer. And Michael Urban Meyer, as we expected, is now the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have that built-in fan base for him with the Florida Gators, although a lot of people probably still upset that he left. But nothing like Tebow with the Gators and Urban Meyer. That was crazy times. So Urban Meyer, he goes to the Jaguars. First pick, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. They have $76 million in cap. I know you and I both said that the Jaguars – are likely going to be a playoff team next year. But what do you think about this fit here for Meyer, and how do you see him building out his staff? Yeah, I think in terms of the transition from the college game to the NFL, there's a lot that's going to need to be adapted in Urban Meyer's game plan. Uh, You know, we've seen it with these Ohio State QBs that have come to the league that have come from this Urban Meyer offense where it doesn't really translate. So Urban Meyer is definitely going to have to adapt his overall game. But I think in terms of – you know, a uh, head coach that is good at motivating people that really kind of seems to always have their, his players backs. And that is really just a likable person from what I've seen overall. I mean, I've seen this guy go to a media presser and really chew into one journalist that like went and made this like kind of smear piece on one of his players. And he just, you know, absolutely went crazy on him. And, you know, it, in the eyes of the press, that may not be great, but in the eyes of his players, that means a lot. And, you know, when you have a coach that's willing to really stand up for you and be there fully for you, it's huge. So I think in terms of 
getting guys to buy in, getting guys to believe in him, and really just having a cohesive unit, that'll be huge, and that's what Urban Meyer is going to be great at. And then in terms of the overall scheme and playmaking that he brings, we'll see what happens because that's that's really where the test lies. And, you know, there's been rumors that he's going to try to bring in some NFL-minded coaches. He's already talked to Raheem Morris about potentially becoming a defensive coordinator, which I think would be a very nice hire. But also there's been talk of Scott Linehan as the offensive coordinator, and I'm not so much as on board with that one, seeing as how limited that Cowboys offense really seemed to be with such talent filling out the roster. So we're going to Cowboys. Dan Quinn, the new defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. We'll see how that plays out. Brian, you think this is the right move here for Urban Meyer to finally dip his toes in the pros? Because if you look at all the great, uh, you know, college <clears throat> coaches over the number of years, they've all been total busts in the NFL, you know, dating back to Saban and uh, Spurrier came in. So, you know, Chip Kelly had the most success to anybody, but, uh, you know, he kind of fizzled out. Uh, actually, I take that back. Harbaugh had the most success. Um, another one of the guys you don't like. But how do you see this playing out here for Urban Meyer? Yeah, you're right. I mean, for the most part, it doesn't really work out. Pete Carroll's another one where um, it's you know worked out pretty well uh, for the most part. But uh, whether or not it's a good move for the Jaguars remains to be seen. But it's a great move for Urban Meyer. I mean. I think there's no, um, obviously he's been on TV for the past couple of years, but obviously he's been dying, uh, itching to, you know, get back into coaching. And I mean, even if you're a great college coach, there is probably nothing like being one out of 32 and, uh, he gets a chance to, to do that now. I think that probably surrounds himself with a lot of, um, you know, guys who have been NFL coaches before coordinators, and that would be smart. I think that the adjustment from the college to the pros, it doesn't work for most people, but. We have to at least give him a chance. I guess everybody is different. Uh, I will say that I feel like being the head coach of a like a, a power five college team is more like being like a CEO and being an NFL head coach. You do have to really be a delegator. If you're an yep. offensive guy, you have to be able to trust your defensive guy and stuff like that. So I definitely think that bringing in someone like Raheem Morris or another really experienced defensive coordinator is going to be uh, incredibly important for him. I mean, I'm sure the people in Jacksonville will be excited. When you said built-in fan base, I thought you meant London. London, huge Jaguars fans. Is that because of the Khan family? They own the Premier League team out there in uh, oh. in, in the UK along with the if Jaguars. If you ever get London games back, you know the Jaguars are going first. Oh, I don't like the London games. I think they're just too much. I want to add in there are there have been some other successful coaches. I mean, Pete Carroll did pretty well with the Seahawks, still still there. And I even think Saban's time was a little underrated. It was very short, so I don't think he really had much of a chance to establish anything. But they still did all right record wise, just based on uh, some of the reporting. Now, five years later, however long it was, uh, it seemed like he wasn't doing very well. Didn't he go like three and nine and he quit? I I thought he was hard. I think that one year is like seven and nine, and then he was just like, "All right, I'm going back to college, and we'll see what I do." And then went to Alabama and created a juggernaut. Interesting. Now, the the job that is now, I guess, one of the least appealing jobs is the Houston Texans job, and you had the reports out today that uh, Schefter he puts out that. It's this all started. Watson is now happy that DeAndre Hopkins was traded 
obviously not a good trade by O'Brien. And then quickly after that, Watson tweets out, I was at a two, now I'm at a 10 as far as his anger. So it's not looking good there for the Texans. However, the Texans hold all the power. Brian, I don't see Deshaun Watson going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the, it, it really stinks to have an elite quarterback who's clearly disgruntled. Um, it's not a good situation to be in. And if you're a coaching candidate, you know, you don't really want to step into that situation because you never really know what's going to happen. But you're right. I mean, he has kind of no leverage, although we've seen in other sports where guys decide that they're just not going to play. And either Kyrie Irving, uh, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, well, he just doesn't want to show up. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen in, in, in basketball guys be able to f- literally force themselves to other cities by just refusing to play. Now, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson would do that. I am saying if he did do that, what, what what's really holding him back from doing that? If he doesn't think the team is going to have more than four wins next year, then I guess he wouldn't really have anything to sacrifice. Somebody would be trying to trade for him no matter what. Um, I think in today's sports, you actually could do that. Not that that's like his plan or anything, but, you know, we saw that video last week of J.J. Watt apologizing to Deshaun Watson for wasting one of his years as they were walking off the field uh, in week 17. But they have so many holes that get a new head coach, get a couple draft picks. I mean, they're still going to be wasting more of Deshaun Watson's years. Um, They're not going to turn around and be good all of a sudden next year. So um, it really seems like a place where there's more questions than answers. I think everybody would like to see Deshaun Watson end up on another team. Don't rule out that blockbuster draft day trade that Michael and I both uh, co-opted with uh, the Dolphins. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys try to get involved, but Michael, do you see a Le'Veon Bell scenario here? I don't, just because Bell was in his last year of his contract, so Watson would be giving up much more money anyway as a quarterback also. It'd be hard to see, and I think the Texans realize that this is not someone that you want to let walk. You look at what happens if they do trade Deshaun Watson, and they don't really get in this great situation with all this capital, they kind of just get back to average, maybe a little above average. And that's what really kind of holds me back. If I'm the Texans, you aren't really making yourself this elite, you know, treasure chest of assets. You're just kind of there mediocre, you know, maybe one, two picks in in the first round you're very happy. And then maybe two next year. And I mean, that's fine. But if you don't have a QB, you're already spending one of those picks. If you don't have, an offensive line, then that QB is not going to be able to really play well. The defense has so many holes as it is. Like Nick or like Brian said, the roster just isn't very good. And whether they have Deshaun Watson there or not is going to really have some issues. But I think with Deshaun Watson, you have a better chance of kind of making up for that. So there's two coaches that obviously come to mind as who you want to try to bring in to really try to mold things over. And I think the obvious one is Eric Bieniemy, who has – obviously been Deshaun Watson's number one candidate. I think this is a good sign of faith if you hire him and you say, look, this is your guy. We want him to be we want you to be our guy. So we're gonna hire the enemy and you know we hope it works out and we trust you and we trust him to make it work out. Another guy is Joe Brady who has kind of said uh to sources that if he were to take the Texans job, he would want to sit down with Deshaun Watson first and really talk with the guy. So 
I think that would be a really nice situation because we've seen Joe Brady really kind of get the best out of his quarterbacks, whether we're looking at the college game where Joe Burrow put together one of the best college football seasons we've seen as a passer. And then we look at Teddy Bridgewater, who really kind of outperformed what he had usually been doing. So, yes, the Texans have a lot of issues, but if you bring in a guy that is going to kind of release all of the tension part of it, then the Texans could very easily turn things around quickly because you have a superstar in Deshaun Watson at QB. Yeah, I think Doug Peterson would be a bad tire there. And I think Peterson kind of put himself in the corner here now where he's going to be out of a job next year. I don't see anybody hiring him. And he seems to Ryan, have said he wants the year off, is what I've, I've been seeing from reports. Which I think he's just embarrassed because I think this firing really stems stems from him trying to tank to better his team. I'm sure he regrets that now. Um, I, you know, there's no reports out there, but I'm assuming some sort of players went to the owner and said, you know, we can't play for this guy. Both of the quarterbacks hate him. So we'll see who ends up with the job in, in Philadelphia as well. Uh, but, you know, the players had influence there. Now Schottenheimer gets fired with the Seahawks as offensive coordinator. And Russell Wilson says, I want to have a say in determining who the offensive coordinator is. And I think that makes sense for him to have a say with his stature. Uh, Michael, anybody you're hearing that could potentially slide in there as offensive coordinator? And honestly, I, I never thought Brian Schottenheimer was any good at offensive coordinator. I was not impressed with anything he did with the Jets. So uh, I don't think it's a huge loss for, for the Seahawks to move on from Schottenheimer. Yeah, from what I've heard, the most – kind of rumored name for the offensive coordinator job is Anthony Lynn. He kind of came into speculation yesterday, and I think it'd be a good fit. Obviously, he has a running back coach background, and a lot of people are kind of in this let Russ cook camp. But I think if you establish run game, and I know some people hate the idea of establishing the run to set up the pass, but if you have a guy that really can get success out of the run game, and then you have Russell Wilson, who's arguably one of the best QBs in the NFL, really able to work off of the play action, really with weapons like Tyler Lockett, weapons like DK Metcalf, you can make a very dangerous offense. Obviously, there's some issues on the offensive line that still need to be fixed up a little bit. The run back with Chris Carson hitting for agency maybe needs to be addressed in the draft. But I think, you know, you you bring in a coach that kind of understands how to both get the most out of the run and get the most out of your passing game with an elite QB at the helm and you can be a contender. And yes, the Seahawks have much more issues than just the offense, but the defense really started to get going last or to end the season, and then the offense kind of fell off. So really, we need a dependable offense coordinator, and I agree with you. I think Schottenheimer was a little bit overrated. I think he kind of benefited from having Russell Wilson and having so many weapons at his disposal, but now we will see what happens with a new offense coordinator at the helm and you know, I'm rooting for whoever it is, but Anthony Lynn would be very fun to see, I think. Brian, what did you think of Schottenheimer when he was with the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I if I'm not mistaken, I think the Jets might have had some, some success while he was here, but their offense certainly wasn't, you know, high-flying or anything like that. I mean, I, I think that uh, he probably did a good enough job to get himself another job, which he did, but, I mean – there's really no arguing about how things unfolded the second half of the season for the Seahawks offense, an incredibly infuriating season for them. When you think about the first half of the year, we were all saying, 
well, their offense is great, but they can't play any defense at all. And then they make a couple additions on defense. They start to improve and their offense just completely goes in the tank. So, I mean, they couldn't get by without making uh, any more moves. So, I mean, someone like Anthony Lynn or even uh, Pep Hamilton, uh, I read, you know, could be an, an improvement. I mean, and Russell Wilson really should have a say uh, in the offense. All right, now another vacancy, which is almost filled. Michael, we have the Falcons made an offer to Arthur Smith to become their head coach. He's been the offense coordinator with the Titans the last two seasons. How do you see this this fit working? Honestly, I think Arthur Smith may be one of the more overrated coaching candidates. Uh, I understand that's definitely a little bit of a hot take, but I think really a lot of the offense depended on Derrick Henry just being bigger and better than everyone when it came to running the ball. But a lot of the schemes and stuff was very old school. So I think with how he operates with Tannehill and Matt Ryan will be very similar and that'll be big for Matt Ryan and obviously this offense. But at the same time, I think there's still a lot of doubt in terms of where I am on Arthur Smith as a candidate. And I I am not fully sold on the fact that he'll be the next big thing for head coaching. What, what do you think, Brian? Because I know he was he was rumored to be in contention for the uh, Jets job. Yeah, well, he was one of those offensive names with you know Brian Dabble and Eric Bieniemy that uh, uh, had an interview. Um, yeah, I mean, I might be a little higher uh, on him than Michael, I guess, in the fit for Atlanta, just because they they do have so many weapons. We say this every single year about the Falcons. It's really the same story just over and over and over again. And, um, you know, it hasn't worked out for them. Obviously, they needed a new a new coach this time around, whether or not this ends up being the right hire, you know. Who knows? Uh, it is true. They don't have a Derrick Henry, so things will have to certainly be different but at the same time Atlanta has weapons on the outside that Tennessee most certainly doesn't have quite as many of so um, he'll have to adjust that's what all all coordinators turned head coaches need to need to do that's the risk of hiring a guy who's never been a head coach before we have no idea whether he actually can Um, uh, time will tell but especially if Drew Brees does retire or the Saints regress in some way you know there is an opening in the South. I know that the Bucks are there and they have a ton of weapons also, but I mean, there is the Falcons defense played really well down the stretch uh, at different points. And they really just, they shoot themselves in the foot constantly. They're a team a little bit like the chargers sort of in that way where like you see them in games, but they never quite finish games. I don't know whether he'll help them or not, but I mean, I thought Smith would get a job. So it doesn't surprise me that he got hired. All right, now, go ahead, Michael. Oh, I was just going to say that's the interesting case for why people are kind of half and half in that fan base for rebuilding or not and potentially going QB at four is because, you know, right now there's the Saints and Bucks, but they have a very limited window. You know, the Saints probably only last this year, maybe next year if Breeze returns. Bucks probably this year, maybe two years if Brady's that long, but most likely it's two years for the Bucks as well. So after that, the NFC South opens up completely. And, you know, the Panthers obviously seem to have something good going in their rebuild with Matt Rule, but they aren't set in stone to be the guys that take over. So if the Falcons love some QB, they could very easily take someone, kind of, you know, create this offense that 
becomes the contender. And then once the super teams of the NFC South kind of fall, the Falcons really have the division for the taking. So that's, that's one of the interesting cases for whether the Falcons should really go QB, go rebuild and try to really kind of, you know, tank for a year maybe and really just enrich their roster, but we'll see what happens. And I think this Arthur Smith hire indicates that they'll probably try to stick around with Matt Ryan, at least for another year, try to stick with this offense and see what they can do. But I still wouldn't be surprised if at the same time they drafted someone that they have sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, such as a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Wow. That'd be, that'd be wild. Now, Robert Sala, he is now the head coach of the Jets. And the Jets, they didn't care if they got an offensive guy or a defensive guy or a special teams guy. They wanted somebody who was a guy that can lead the other guys. And he's all about the coaching staff. So let's take a listen. Your staff completes you. He, he said this, and I'm just going to, I'm really just repeating it, but your staff completes you. I can ask every single uh, person in this room to have a great we all think we're great coaches. And reality is we, we are all great coaches. But describe a great coach, and I promise, I promise you'll describe yourself. It's inherent. It's unconscious. If I ask Raheem Morris to describe a great coach, he's going to describe himself. If I ask Eric Bannemi to describe a great coach, he's going to describe himself. But when you we go back to what we learned with Pete Carroll and connecting to and understanding ourselves, staff diversity goes beyond the color of our skin. And this is what uh, Braves was getting to. You have to know your weaknesses. You have to connect to and understand yourself. And you have to understand what you can't give a player. No one coach can give a player everything. So, no, it's not good to hire 20 Robert Salas on a, on, a, on a staff. Sure, I think I'm a hell of a coach. But there are things that I can't do that D'Amico Ryans can or Chris Kacerik or Joe Woods, who's now at Cleveland, or Halfley, who's at Boston College, or – Johnny Holland or uh, uh, Daniel Bullocks. There are things that they can do that one another can't, but together we make a staff. And so, yes, you want different race. You want uh, different personalities. You need different uh, values. But together, when you put together your staff, understand that you're bringing people who do things that you can. All right. So that is Robert Sala from when he was speaking Last year at the, I believe, Rookie Symposium or the, the QB Coaching Summit, something along those lines. So, uh, Michael, what did you think about what he said there, and are you sold on Salah for the Jets? Well, what he said is exactly what you want to hear because a lot of the issues that seem to come out of these coaching situations where these coaches get fired is, you know, a sort of selfishness, a sort of stubbornness where they aren't really willing to listen kind of forced her own way. You know, you think of guys like Gase, O'Brien, Peterson, you know, there was kind of just this issue of these guys, you know, maybe they're fine coaches, but they refused to really bring in other ideas and they were just very stuck on their own ways. And Sala seems to be very uh, embracing to the idea that I'm not going to bring all the answers. And I understand that there's going to be a foundation of people that are going to have to fix this because, you know, maybe – the Jets defense is great, but the offense, if it doesn't contribute, then we're just looking like a team, maybe like the bears at best. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of key aspects that you have to be willing to understand that a, 
you're just one person in a system. B, there are more than just your way to succeed. And C, other people can have better ideas than you. And he seems to really believe all those things based on what he preached right there. So that is huge for him. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't think he's a guy that's going to kind of change his whole scheme to his roster like we've kind of talked about as like a great way to find success. But that doesn't have to happen to find success. I think, you know, when you have a team, especially like the Jets, where there's just so many holes and they aren't they aren't really like stuck in this one way that they have to be able to adapt to to succeed. You know, if the Jets are running a 4-3 next year, no one's going to be saying, oh, man, this doesn't fit the roster at all. You know, it fits fine. So really, I think the biggest thing is just getting guys that are going to help out the system, help out the building of the team, and really just kind of uh, acknowledging that, you know, like he said, you aren't going to be one man that fixes everything because there's other people that are going to play a key piece in that. And the rumor is that Salah will hire LaFleur, not LaFleur from Green Bay, but his brother, who was an offensive coach with the 49ers as the offensive coordinator, and try to implement that Kyle Shanahan type of offense. We'll talk momentarily about what that means for who's playing quarterback for the Jets. But, uh, you know, Salah, he had a good defense the last two years, but you just never really truly know. Uh, you know, the last time the, Giant, the, the Jets hired uh, a defensive coordinator who had the top defense, it was Todd Bowles. Everyone said, Scott knows what he's doing. Didn't turn out too well. Time before that, they hired Rex Ryan. That worked out so, so very well because they got to the AFC Championship game. Brian, what are you expecting here? And do you, do you think Salah and Douglas are going to be here beyond the next five years? Those contracts for five years and uh, each of the last two coaches didn't make it through their talk, their contract. So I don't, I think he's going to be here through that entire term. I'll say that I'll say that much. I think he makes it through the five years and look, Sala is the antithesis of Adam Gase. And that's really just uh, number one. We don't need to waste time talking about Adam Gase. He's as inspiring as a ham sandwich and Sala, according to, you know, everyone that's ever played for him is a leader of men, someone that his players, really want to play for. And I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, I'm not really worried about whether he's a defensive coach, offensive coach. I think that naturally the way football is going, a lot of us want offensive hires. I wanted the team to hire Eric Bieniemy. I would have been really happy with that, but I'm really happy with this hire too. And it's because a little bit of what we heard from Sala, um, you know, and a little bit of what I said before about head coaches need to be delegators and he's bringing an, he's bringing an offensive coordinator with him. Uh, who he can leave the offense to and not try to, you know, turn himself into something that he's not. He he is a defensive guy capable of leading the whole team, but he's not going to turn around and try to turn himself into this offensive guy that he's not. I think the most exciting thing uh, for Jets fans is that maybe more than any two coordinators in football, and like Michael said, the Jets have a ton of holes, and a lot of positions where they don't have that much talent right now. But these two guys, maybe more than any other coordinators, uh, get the most out of the least. The 49ers were ravaged with injuries on both sides of the ball from the very, very beginning of the season. It would have been very easy for that team to fold. And other than maybe one game against the Dolphins, they are in just about every single game. They compete every single week. And um, I think that that's just something to be happy about uh, you know, just right out of the gate. And in terms of the offense, I mean, we will talk about the quarterback more. It's a guessing game, but 
LaFleur was able to get positive play out of the likes of Nick Mullins and T.J. Beathard at different times, while members of the offensive line, running backs, uh, receivers were all hurt at various parts of the season. So, uh, like I said at the top of the show, for the first time in uh, you know over two years, I think that uh, Jets fans do have a little bit to be excited about, just the general direction that the team is heading the culture change that everybody talks about when you hire a new coach or a new GM, uh, maybe they're actually on their way to uh, succeeding at some of that. Being an NFL head coach is one of the jobs with the least job security in the world. I can unequivocally say right now, in the next five years, we'll have at least 27 teams get a new coach. So it's it's a total crapshoot. You never know what's going to go on. Here's the teams that probably will still have the same coach. Uh, or at least people that won't be fired. Of course, you got Belichick, you got Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, and, Jim, and uh, John Harbaugh, and uh, you know, and I guess maybe you, you, th- you can throw in Gruden there because he's got a ten-year deal. Other than that, and Rule, he's also got the the ten-year deal. So maybe you want to say him. Those are the seven guys I think we can really say, Michael, that probably don't get fired. But uh, you know, it, it, you never you never know in the in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we say Tomlin, but even Steelers fans have already been kind of pitching the uh, game as hot seat again last year. I understand, year but the Steelers make- have had like five coaches in their history, so yeah. they, they never fire anybody. Most likely it'll be all right, but who knows? You know, if Big Ben doesn't return and this team kind of falls off next year, maybe another year after that, we can mm-hmm. very easily see Tomlin kind of walking out and the Steelers looking for a new coach. But I mean, I think that's just incredible. I mean, if you think about it, really, though, right, Brian, like, pretty much like <laughs> when a coach gets hired in the NFL, it's like, all right, how many years till they fire him and the GM? It's terrible. I don't know what, I don't know what the league can do about that, but um, I think it's just, you, know, you got to have a patient owner uh, and you got to get, get people time to, to figure things out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of instances we've been seeing where coaches are gone after two years and it's, it's like, how do you, you know, like I like that the Bengals brought back Zach Taylor because what what did you expect him to do? His first year, you know, they had no, nobody. They get the first pick, and then Burrow gets hurt, and they really didn't build around him. So if, in that scenario, Brian, like if they were to fire him, I think that's unfair, and that just sets your team back even further because you're once again starting from ground zero. Uh, but what, how do you, how do you feel about like the trend in the NFL recently, which is that you know coaches are only getting two years, GMs maybe they get three years, and what I do like about this Jets hire is for the first time in a long time, the Jets finally let the GM hire the coach. Usually they hire the coach by themselves and they hire a GM, which never makes any sense to me in the NFL. But how, how do you, what do you think is the ideal way to go about uh, hiring a coach here? And what do you think should be the shelf life on how long you give a, a coach to be, the, to be in charge of the show and, and a GM? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think there's really just a set, a set uh, amount of years. I know two years does sound very short, really, for anybody. And in the example of Zach Taylor, I think you're totally right. Uh, you know, your expectations couldn't have been much higher, especially once Burrow gets hurt. You know, but if you turned around and look at the Jet situation, two years was more than enough to see that Gaze was not the guy to lead the team into the future. So I think it just goes situation by situation. But I completely agree with you in the sense where the GM needs to be able to hire the coach because if you establish this 
pecking order where either the owner decides who the coach is or the coach um, gets to decide who the GM is going to be. You're going to sort of mess up that hierarchy. It does need to be a, you know, a little bit of a combo effort, but I am really happy that in this particular case, Joe Douglas didn't do what some expected him to do, which was turn around and just hire the guy he knew best in Doug Peterson. I think that would have been uh, a huge mistake, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that two years is a little short. You'd like to see coaches get, get three years, but like you said, nobody makes it through their contract. Nobody gets enough time to build up the equity that John Harbaugh has built up or that Belichick has built up. Right. Nobody really even gets uh, that chance. And um, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, at, look at look at Belichick with the Browns. Like, get rid of him. Coughlin with the Giants. He was on the verge of being fired. He goes on to win the Super Bowls. Bill Cowher. It took him till the end of his career to get the Super Bowl. So they stuck with him. Uh, Rick has a good uh, point here. This the trend is garbage. It's permeating into how long to give a player a chance. Look at Tua. Yep, people are saying get rid of Tua, and people start to reevaluing him. Eight games played. Teams want coaches to win, and instead of trying to rebuild properly, see Buffalo, McDermott's an excellent coach. they just trying to hit on the next big thing, and it's failing mightily. So what do you think about that, Michael? Everybody's looking for their next Sean McVay. Yeah, I think right now this expiration date, expiration date, sorry, that we keep putting on people is kind of cutting it way too short, and I understand that you want to see uh, these these – shiny new toys and every new iPhone is more enticing than the last. And that's kind of how it works with these coaches and these prospects. But, you know, right now looking at how it's going, it's not good because, you know, I mean, look at Josh Rosen and I understand that Josh Rosen ended up not panning out, but the fact that he was on such a abysmal team and was given little to no chance to really find success Regardless of if you think he's really a good QB or if he kind of got robbed of a career, the fact that he was given maybe 10 games behind one of the worst offensive lines when he was pretty much purely a pocket passer, it's just an indication that this league has kind of gotten very strict about how quickly you need to show success. Because there are moments on Rosen's rookie year where you're like, okay, that was All a right. good, good game. Michael, you can't tell me that there's 32 quarterbacks that are better backups than Josh Rosen. The guy was on the practice squad this year. It makes no sense. I think Rosen could still start. Is he going to get the chance? I don't know. But if we see, like, you know, Danucci starting with the Cowboys, why can't Josh Rosen start, who has all the success at UCLA? But the expiration date is key. They always want the new shiny thing. But that's all we got to talk about. Sam Darnold, Adam Schefter reporting, he will be the Jets quarterback next year, which for the Jets, I think, you know, unless they really, really love fields, it kind of makes sense. So, Michael, what do you think the Jets should do with that number two pick? Trade it, draft somebody. What do you think they should try to do there? Yeah, if you love a QB, then you draft someone. But if you are willing to stick with Darnold and you think he can be a great QB for your system, then you trade it. I mean, people are willing to give a lot for a draft pick that they think will bring them a franchise quarterback. So whether it's someone trading up for Wilson or someone trading up for Fields, it doesn't really matter. You trade it and you get what you can especially with the Jets situation where you have a guy like Sala who's going to get some great defensive production. But, you know, if you can bring in, you know, an additional receiver to help out on the outside, some extra offensive line protection, some nice defensive assets, then that's huge. And, you know, I understand that you're not going to get all of that with one pick that you may get uh, extra. But, I mean, 
looking at this number two pick, you got to think it's going to be similar to that Washington trade when they got up for Roger Griffin III or Robert Griffin III, where you got, you know, numerous picks, both first, second, even some third. So, you know, the Jets with the roster they currently have, the money that they currently have, and really just the idea that, you know, Darnold is going to be fine in the system and he is your QB. If you could trade that pick and get proper value, then you are in for a much easier rebuild than, you know, Salah probably initially came into it. Thank Brian. I mean, obviously we'll, we'll discuss the number two pick for, for, for months now, but, you know, just real quick here. What's your preference? Yeah, I'm with Michael on this. I've so far remained pretty consistent on this. Uh, I would definitely defer to Michael and people a lot smarter about the draft than me on this. But in my opinion, the number two pick, uh, there's a there's a there's still a steep drop off between Trevor Lawrence and the rest of the QB prospects. That um, that taking one of those guys at number two would be a bit of a reach. I'm seeing a lot on Twitter. Uh, the fan base is very split, at least for the Jets. It's uh, you know a handful of people like, well, imagine. Uh, Zach Wilson in the Shanahan offense. Well, imagine Trey Lance, but what about Josh Fields? So I just, uh, Justin Fields. So I just think everybody is like, everybody wants, we were talking about shiny new toys. Well, you just watched a bunch of shiny new toys play in college and everybody wants one. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll probably get killed for the opinion, but I actually think that in LaFleur's offense, if uh, Darnold got a little bit more help, he could actually. Uh, start to turn a corner. And like I said, I still wouldn't guarantee his fifth year option. It's like $20 million. I still wouldn't do that. But um, I I don't hate that move as, mu- as much as a lot of other people will. And I All just right. want to say real quick, Arthur Smith has officially been hired as the Falcons head coach, just came through by Ian Rapport. So that is now official. Talked about it a little bit earlier on the show. And we'll see what he does there with Matt Ryan and that offense. Yeah. I think the All Jets right. could get a haul, a real haul for that second pick, by the way, like a real haul. We shall see. Now, uh, real quick here, we'll close the coaching talk because we got to talk about the games this weekend. Um, and Mars says, any thoughts on Dan Campbell being the leading candidate in Detroit? Personally hates it. Big hard-ass old school thinking coaches are outdated. I did mention uh, maybe two weeks ago, I think Dan Campbell's going to get some looks for head coach. Uh, Michael what do you think that the Lions should do here? As of now, we know they hi- they've interviewed Campbell, they've interviewed Marvin Lewis. Uh, you know, is, are they going to wait wait out wait it out to see if they could talk to Bienemy after his run? Are they going to try to you know do the same thing with with the offensive coordinator with the Bills? And you know, a lot of the Lions teams they just don't want to wait till the end of the postseason. But what do you see the Lions going here? Yeah, I am not a fan of the similar hire for the Lions. I really wanted them to get Bienemy because I think a uh, you know, working with Stafford, he'd have a lot of familiarity with skill set, kind of with Mahomes. I think they're similar in terms of long time and what they're able to do. And then I think DeAndre Swift would become one of the best backs in the NFL working with the enemy. And it would be really fun to watch. But, you know, if they do look at Campbell, Marvin Lewis, guys like that, I get it because that's kind of just been the culture of the Lions. But ultimately, I want to see them really embrace this new uh, era of offense coordinators embrace some of these great candidates that are out there that are seeming to kind of get snubbed right now in the process. Real quick, is Patricia heading back to New England? I think there's definitely a chance. I could see him kind of heading out to Las Vegas, being a part of that defense. I could see him going down to Miami and working with Flores. But I, I think ultimately the most likely landing spot would be back in New England, probably as like the uh, defense coordinator. Maybe Mayo goes up to D.C. and 
Patricia fills in at linebacker coach. There you have it. All right. Now we got the games this weekend. Last the last uh you know full weekend here of games. So Michael, let's let's pull up the graphic here. Take a look at what we're looking at here this weekend. Brian, of course, ready to, to get his bets in. Uh, uh Rick says Patricia DC and Gaze had co- QB coach for the Pats. I don't know if Adam, Mr. Adam Gaze is gonna get a coaching job this year. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Maybe if he has some more smelling salts on the sideline, it might work out. Not really sure. All right, so We'll start – we'll do the AFC side of things first. Uh, Chiefs-Browns here. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I think the Chiefs win, but, Brian, I'm easily taking the Browns to cover in this one. Uh, I haven't been impressed with the Chiefs this season. Do you think they're going to blow anybody out here? We'll see if they just flip the switch here in the postseason. Obviously off last week and two weeks ago, week 17, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill did not play. So – We'll see, you know, how, how they're able to, to get things going here quickly against the Browns. But I'm taking the, the Browns with the points, but the Chiefs, uh, I think, will win the game. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I don't blame anyone for, for doing that, especially everything you just said combined with how the Browns played last week. The Chiefs went like six weeks towards the later part of the season without covering a game. Uh, with that said, if you can get it under 10 it's at 10 right now at DraftKings and a lot of other sites. If you can get it at under 10, I would still consider taking Kansas City, uh, you know, to get a late score in the second half just to sort of put it out of reach. I don't want to say that I'm not impressed with the Browns because it, that would diminish what they did last week. But the thing is that the Browns never got tested, really. I realized that the game got within 14 points. It got to 12. But they were basically spotted four touchdowns with the way that they came out of the gate and the way that Pittsburgh came out of the gate. And they're just going to face a lot more resistance uh, this time around. I do think they'll try to control the ball. But I'm going to take the Chiefs, and I am actually think that's going to stay under that total. That's up at around 57, 57 and a half now. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, it's crazy that in this game the biggest storyline seems to be Chase Claypool's thoughts on it. But really, I really think that the Chiefs will in turn win this game. Uh, the Browns have definitely put together a great season, but I don't think they're really full contenders yet. The defense has had its issues throughout the season, so I assume Mahomes and this offense are going to really have their way. But right now, looking at it, I think you know the Chiefs should definitely be the clear favorite in this one, and I, I do expect – that the over will be reached. All right. Next game for the AFC, the Bills and the Ravens. And neither the Bills nor the Chiefs wanted to see the Ravens this week. That is for sure. Brian, we'll start with you in this one. Yeah, uh, the public loves the Bills. They're a likable team. Uh, I think the Ravens have a great chance of winning this game. And with three points, I would definitely take the Ravens. I guess the uh, the only hole to poke uh, – in this whole Bills thing is that the one thing they don't do incredibly well is stop the run, and it's the thing that the Ravens do extremely well. Uh, the Colts managed over 160 yards on the ground last week. I think if the Ra- as long as the Ravens hang in the game, don't get down to the point where Lamar is forced to throw and become a pocket passer and they can just play prevent on him, as long as they don't do that, the Ravens are going to be very, very dangerous. I know the weather is supposed to be a bit um, inclement, and that will uh, – Lamar you know, Jackson never played in snow. 
Yeah, so. maybe that will work in, in Buffalo's favor. Uh, I could see that. But as long as they are hanging around within one score, they're going to still be able to run the ball. And um, he's a dual threat. He's dangerous. I'm going to take the Ravens in the points, and uh, they have a chance to win this one. Yeah, right, this is a very interesting case because, you know, we've seen Josh Allen have his moments where he goes against these great defenses and he kind of struggles. But we've also seen him kind of step up to the challenge and have a great outing. So it's going to be a big test for Josh Allen, who, despite his great play, still has a lot of doubters out there. But I think in this game, we will see the Ravens successfully kind of slow him down and in turn win this game. Looking at it from a, you know, just Bill's offense versus Ravens defense. I think the Ravens defense is just way too complete to kind of get torched in the way that the Bills have kind of been able to do where they get hot and they really just get going. And I think what the Ravens have been able to do defensively will be able to slow that down. And then as long as Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Hollywood Brown, all these guys can really contribute enough offensively, they should be able to come out of this game alive. And I think that will happen. So I, I'm with Brian. I take Ravens with the points. And I think we got Chiefs Ravens for the AFC Championship. I'm going to roll with Bill's mafia here. I think uh, Josh Allen's going to outperform Lamar Jackson. And I think the weather will certainly play a factor. So give me the Bills to win. And I'll, I'll keep the Bills winning because they are my pick to get to the Super Bowl. All right, now, NFC side of things, we'll talk about uh, the game, which we all probably agree on here, and that is that the Packers are going to beat the Rams. And betting-wise as well, it's only a six-and-a-half-point game. But I will pick the Packers in this one. Aaron Rodgers is on a mission. Rams defensively looked good last week, but they're playing Aaron Rodgers, man. So I got to go with the Packers in this one. Michael? Yeah, I think I'm going with the Packers, but I don't know. I think the Rams very much are still in this game. I'd probably go with the Rams and the points if it um, gets to that, like, seven-point mark. But right now I think uh, I think this is going to be a very tight game, probably the best game of the weekend, maybe besides this next one that we'll talk about. But I wouldn't count out the Rams, especially if Goff has gotten more healthy. Hmm, interesting. All right. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, the Rams' defense deserves, uh, you know, a huge amount of respect. They can go anywhere and play, so the fact that it'll be freezing cold and all that, it uh, won't affect them so much. Uh, I think the bottom line is the spread is six and a half. If you like the Packers, take it down to six. If you like the Rams, take it up to seven or seven and a half because I really do think that that's, you know, the spread is honestly dead on. I'm going to go with the Packers here. Um, I don't think that rest or anything like that affects Aaron Rodgers too much, and um, I don't mean to you know beat on Jared Goff too much but uh, I wasn't incredibly impressed with how he played last week and I also know that speaking of cold weather we say you know Nick mentioned that Lamar Jackson's never played in snow Jared Goff's uh, track record in cold weather games is not good at all and I'm not saying he's incapable but until he actually does it my confidence in that isn't going to be too high so Packers all right now the the game that most people are looking forward to and their past two meetings should tell you you shouldn't look forward to this because the Bucks will get blown out again, but maybe not this time. So the Bucks and the Saints, Saints only a three-point favorite in this one. Uh, I know Michael's got the Bucks winning. I'm going with the Saints in this one. They're the better team, and they, they've shown twice that they can handle the Buccaneers' offense without any problems. But the X Factor could, in fact, be Antonio Brown. 
Brian, what do you think of for this one? Yeah, I mean, the spread is three points. The Saints are given three, like you said. Um, you know, it is very difficult to beat a team three times in a season. That's an old adage. But at the same time, it's probably pretty difficult to beat a team that you haven't beat before. So uh, I'm going to go with the Saints as well. Uh, I feel a little bit uneasy about having a bunch of favorites uh, in, in, the, in the playoffs because we see underdogs come through all the time. But you know what? Um, no offense to Taylor Heineke. He played extremely well. It was admirable. But, you know, if the Washington football team can have that much success against this Tampa defense, what's Drew Brees going to do? Uh, what's Alvin Kamara going to be able to do? So, And we've seen the Saints defense sort of uh, restore itself to – um, you know, kind of an elite level, not just last week against the bad Bears offense, but even before that. So I'm going to go with the Saints to win for the third time this season. All right, Michael, tell us why the Bucks are winning and then head us into wild card weekend. Uh, not wild card weekend, divisional weekend here. Yeah, I mean, if you're betting on the Saints, I think you feel safe about this bet, especially with how well they've been able to shut down this team uh, in the past. But I mean, the reason that you may want to bet on the Bucks still is just who's playing QB and who's in this wide receiver weapons group, and that will be huge. But you know, this this Bears, not Bears, uh, this Bucks team still has a lot of questions to answer, and the biggest one is can they defensively have a good enough game to slow down the Saints' offense, and can they really kind of get going against the Saints' defense, which they haven't been able to do. Uh, it's definitely a interesting situation with some very good teams. If you're betting on the Saints, I forgive you. I understand. They're a very good team. Speaking but, of the Bears, Matt Nagy's coming back. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I like the idea of, you know, giving the coach another year, especially when you don't have a QB that you really kind yep. of are fully in on. We talked about that last episode, and I think they have a chance that if they get a QB they like, they could end up being very good. But it's just one of those situations we'll have to wait and see and have it play out. Nick, Brian, everyone in the comment section, LandryFootball.com, thank you guys so much for this opportunity to talk and have a draft show, pro football, college football, NFL draft. You're here for Destination Draft Day. It's a long road, but we'll get you through. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you on Monday. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.